Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. Well, today I want to share a Bible verse that is actually the Bible verse that scares me the most and fills me with what I hope is a healthy fear of the Lord. It's in Matthew 7, starting verse 21. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. On the judgment day, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and expel demons in your name and do lots of miracles in your name? Then I'll tell them, I've never known you. Get away from me, you people who do wrong. You know, this tells me that you can cast out demons. You can perform miracles. You can speak in tongues. You can do a lot of great works. You can give your life on behalf of the poor. But on Judgment Day, if the Lord doesn't know you, you're not getting in. Our relationship with God is everything. It's the source of life. And my fear is that, yeah, I'll be a great pastor. But when I come to my end, the Lord's like, I don't even know you. You did that all as a performance, your pastoring your prayer, your preaching. It was all just a show, but those intimate secret moments, we never had this. It was never a two-way relationship. It was just a habit. It was just a routine. It was just an outward experience, but there was no real true connection. And so that's why every month or so, when I think about the fact that the Lord could say, depart from me, I never knew you, that's why every month or so I say, hey, Lord, my name is Pradeepanji Manohar in Sivaretnam. In 1985, I was born in Minnesota. I have a, a wife and two kids. Now you know me. So don't dare say, I never knew you, because I know you know me right now. I just introduced myself. It's just a pro tip for you all if you have an unhealthy fear of the Lord. But I think this is also what Jesus says to the disciples after he sends the disciples out on a ministry trip, sends them out two by two. He says, hey, say that the kingdom of God is here. Get, you know, uh, people healed, cast out the demons. Then they return, and they're so excited because they're able to do the miraculous. But then in Luke 10, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're so excited. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, duh. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, and this is where he gives them a warning and even a rebuke. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know, to Jesus, miracles are normal. They're not something to be impressed about. It's not that crazy for the all-powerful God. What we ought to rejoice is not, not in, oh, my church grew so fast, or I, I, I did this great work at work, or I'm so amazing. It's I get to be known by God, and I get to know him. 
That's what he says. So in the kingdom of God, it's true that old saying that your network, who you know, it is your net worth. It's not about what you do, what you know, what you accomplish. In the kingdom of God, it's all about who you know. And more importantly, who knows you. And so I wrote it like this. At the end of your life, merely knowing Jesus isn't enough. The more significant issue is whether Jesus knows you. Or if he will say, I never knew you, depart from me. Have you given God the opportunity to know you, for you to be vulnerable, for you not to ask God to love the version of you that you pretend to be, but the you that you actually are? Because when he knows you, you're on the list to enter into the fullness of the kingdom of God. And it feels good to be on the list. Have you ever been on the list of an exclusive party? It feels good. You know, the other month, I got the opportunity to be on quite the exclusive list. I don't want you to treat me any differently. But because my, my sister's connected, not because of my own accomplishments, but because my sister is connected, she got to make one of my bucket list, list dreams come true. You know, there was uh, this band in the 90s, and uh, they won Hip Hop Album of the Year, a band called The Fugees. Anybody know who The Fugees are? I'm not saying I endorse all their music as a man of God up here on stage, but I'm saying that a huge part of my upbringing. You know, growing up in Minnesota as a Sri Lankan, uh, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me. There weren't a lot of refugees that I was connecting with. My family is a refugee family, and I got this album called The Score from the Fugees, and they talked about their refugee experience. And really, for the first time, I, I felt like I had language to explain my dynamic on the earth. I felt like comfortable in my own skin in Minnesota. And uh, they win album of the year, and then like a year after the score, their album is released, they break up. And my dream of seeing them tour is trashed. Then Lauryn Hill releases an album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, which is the first hip hop album to ever win a Grammy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Pretty good. Come on, because you know, some girls. Just kidding. I'm not going to say. <laughs> Anyways, she releases that album. The band is not touring together. And I'm like, how could I ever see them? But they announced a reunion tour like two years ago. And then they canceled it. Because if you know anything about Lauren Hill is she shows up late and she cancels things. Don't be mad about it. It's just a reality. <laughs> and they said they're coming to Seattle as the Fugees, not Lauren Hill. And I, I say, sister, you got to get me into the Fuji show. This is my dream. I don't know how many opportunities I'll ever have. This is the dream I've held for 20 years. You got to get me on the list. She says, I don't know how I can do it, but I'll try. And so Pastor Amrita and I, we buy tickets, but we go to the Climate Pledge Arena. We go to this little concierge booth, and guess what's waiting for us? Backstage passes. And so not only are we backstage of the show, we get to be on stage during the show as I saw these here. And you got to understand, like, Wyclef, literally before I found Jesus, he was like my idol, right? I like wanted to be like him, dress like him, talk like him. He was the son of a preacher, and he would reference that in his songs. So some of my first like ideas of the gospel were him talking about Jesus. And so there was a time in my life where I wanted to be a rapper. I've released a few albums. 
And, uh, you know, my career didn't go very far, but, but it was there for a little bit. It was like, <laughs> my name is P. Raw, double E, D, P, A, N, to the J, double E, V, Manohoran, C, Varetnam, Sri Lankan born American. What? <laughs> my career did not go very far. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I have this opportunity, and so we're walking around the Climate Pleasure Arena. And uh, I'm feeling great about these passes. And then we see some people from Kalos. And we're like, do we talk to them? We're pastors. <laughs> we're like, no, we all talk. And then uh, they don't have backstage passes. And so I was like, man, should I tell these commoners what we have? <laughs> like, I want, I want to be humble pastor, but also I'm on the list. Like, I feel good. So I tell the commenters, I can't hold it back anymore. I'm like, look, you guys are in the nosebleeds. We're, we're on stage, suckers. Like, this is amazing. And so we go there, and then we're on stage. It's amazing. We're like, ready or not, here we come. We can't hide. We're on the stage. Come and find me. Like, this is amazing. And then, here, let me show you this picture. After the show, we got to hang out with Lauren Hill and the Fugees. I mean, just the whole crew. And here's the crazy thing. I've studied them my whole life. I've read books, listened to podcasts, listened to all their music. But in this moment, they give us like a time where we got to share our stories. So I shared my testimony I shared how the music impacted me as a fellow refugee. I shared how I gave my life to Jesus, got to share and touch on the gospel, and how we live in Seattle because we planted a church together. And I want you to get this. It was one thing to know their music, their stories, their experience, but it was so much more special to feel like the Fugees knew me. And it's one thing to know God, but it's so much better to feel like God knows you. And this is what Jesus is getting to. Like, depart me for I never knew you. God wants to know you. And before you're filled with fear, here's the good news. God wants to know you. And it's one thing to know about God, to recite facts in the Bible about God, but it's one thing to bury your soul and have a two-way intimacy with the Lord where it's actually a real relationship. And that's what I want for you. That's why we're doing this series on daily devotionals. And so I got to ask you this question. Are you giving God a chance to know you? Are you giving God a chance to know you? Because let's be honest, sometimes relationships fade away. Sometimes we spend more time talking about God than talking with God. Sometimes our prayers, which are beautiful prayers, are more about intercession and petition, but we forget about communion with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get caught up in, in reading about the Bible or listening to podcasts about the Bible, but we forget to dig into the word and let the Bible speak to us in this two-way relationship. And so I was looking at some research, according to LifeWay Research, and with Protestant Christians, so these are Christians that aren't Catholic, uh, who prays daily, who has a time alone with God regularly? Well, about 44% church plan uh, uh, overall, churchgoers overall. Women rep have 48% of them are spending time alone with God every single day. And check this out, West Coast residents, about 33% uh, are having time alone with God. So that's like one out of three in this room if we're West Coast residences. And that, that, that is a big red flag because of this scripture. Depart from me, I never knew you. Because how are you going to have an intimate relationship with God if you're not spending time with God? You know, 
How, how are you going to feel like God knows you if you're not spending time with him? And so there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. And just speaking plainly, if you've been a Christian longer than a year and you don't know how to pray, that's a huge red flag. And that's why it's our job as pastors to train and equip the saints right here to know God personally. So I want to bring some perspective and some helpful things and bring some reality checks. And so one of the first takeaways I want to offer is, number one, love may begin in public, but its strength grows in private. Our public affection is either confirmed or contradicted by our private devotion. So what does that mean? If you're praising the Lord expressively here on Sunday morning, but you're not doing any of that in your personal life, that's probably contradicting your affection towards the Lord, right? If you're one way in public and a different way in private, that means there's a level of hypocrisy in your relationship with the Lord. And guess what? He notices it. Are you worshiping and praying and doing these outward expressions to impress people or to develop your relationship with God? That's the question I have to ask myself all the time. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So God isn't just concerned with the outward appearance. He's concerned about the heart. If you saw me loving Amritha and showing her affection and encouraging her on stage, and you're like, oh, wow, they have such a great marriage. But then you found out in private I was mean to her, or I ignored her, or I neglected her, and none of that translated between our public and private life, what would you call me? You'd call me a hypocrite. You say your marriage is just a prop for ministry. You say your marriage is just a show to make people think you're a good pastor, you're this man of holiness, right? Because what starts public must go intimate to be developed and real and sincere and authentic. In the same way in our relationship with God, if your most intimate moments with God are in public, there's a problem there. If my, let me just break it down. Not going to get graphic here. But if my most intimate moments with Amritha were here on stage, this room would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> It'd be very uncomfortable. But that's how we treat the most intimate relationship of all, our relationship with God. Can I get a better amen? amen. And so what starts in public must be developed in private. And so you, you got to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord. You got to start your daily moments with the Lord, devotions, intimacy. And for me, you know, I don't want to grow a big church or preach a great sermon or write books or be on podcasts or significant if God's like, you're just putting on a show. Like the only time you read the Bible is when you're trying to develop a sermon. The only time you're worshiping is if you're preparing to lead worship. If that is the reality of who we are, I think we're missing out on the gospel, on a God who actually wants to know us and love us and have a real two-way relationship, an intimate relationship with us. And so I don't want to cast out demons and perform miracles if I'm not connected with God. And so I just say, God, you can have all the miracles. God, you can have all the success. God, you can have all the significance. 
but please never take your presence from me. And I believe that's your prayer, isn't it? Lord, I want your presence. I love this quote by Timothy Keller. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known, and I want you to check this out from God's perspective. I mean, to be known and not loved, God, I know you, but I don't love you. I mean, think about this from God's perspective. To be loved and not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And so you got you to go deeper. You got to go private with your relationship with God. Number two, takeaway, you can't delegate your personal relationship with God. At some point, you can't blame a church, a pastor, or your family for your lack of intimacy with the Lord. You can't delegate. There's a lot of things you can delegate. You can delegate chores. You can delegate assignments. But even as a pastor, I can't delegate prayer to some team, right? We have the Quans leading our prayer team. I can't just say, hey, you guys do all my prayer for me. No, I can't delegate my prayer life. You need a pastor who's praying, right? You can't delegate a relationship. You can't delegate intimacy. That's something you have to take responsibility for yourself. And so what does that mean? That means the, the faith of your grandma is not your faith. The faith of your, your dad is not your faith. The faith of your roommate, your friend is not your faith. Guess what? The faith of your pastor is not your faith. It's not going to be like, depart from me. I never knew. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You're, <laughs> you're, you're Sally's boy? No, never mind. Come on in. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're Sally's boy, OK? You're not on the list. <laughs> depart me for I never knew you. It's not, depart from me, I didn't know your grandma. I didn't know your roommate. I know your mechanic. Depart from me. I didn't know you. You need to take responsibility for your faith. You know, let me illustrate another thing. Uh, I, in high school, used to love free food. Anybody with me? Guess what? I still do. Because <laughs> no food tastes as good as free food. And uh, I found a loophole for getting free food. Apparently, around graduation time, people throw these parties called open houses where they celebrate people graduating. And they put up signs for some reason around the neighborhood. You put up a sign, I'm going to follow it. <laughs> and so my friend Ben Block and I, who's a missionary to Japan that spoke here a couple months ago, we drive around the town. We see an open house sign. Oh, Dave's open house. I didn't even know he was graduating. And so we, would, we didn't know Dave, but we'd go. And so we show up to the house, and we're eating hors d'oeuvres and food, drinks, all the thing, mingling, life of the party, cracking of jokes. And people are like, hey, who are you? We're like, Ben and Pradeep Ben. Like, why are you here? We're celebrating Dave. <laughs> what are you, why are you here? We're celebrating Dave. And so we'd hang out, and then people would start to get suspicious of us. I remember this one time. Someone said, uh, we don't know you. Let's get Dave. We're like, no, <laughs> don't, don't get Dave. Don't get Dave. So they bring over Dave. And uh, hey, Dave, you know this guy? No. <laughs> and Dave kicked us out of the party. 
but we congratulated him on our way out. See, we knew Dave, but he didn't know us. <laughs> so we didn't get to stay at the party. <laughs> I want you to be able to stay at the party of God. The kingdom of God is a banquet. But I, 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 just because I knew the, the routine, the habits, just because I knew some of Dave's friends because we'd been partying together, I still didn't know David and I couldn't delegate that part of my life. And, and let's be honest, I, I believe like church hurt is real. I believe neglect is real. But at the end of the day, God's going to ask, do I know you? And you, you got to walk in your own shoes. You got you to take responsibility for your prayer life. Your time alone with a God. I'm telling you what, if you're hungry for God, you can be in a bad church and still experience intimacy in the prayer closet. I've done it. I've been church hurt. There's someone who came in first service who uh, knew Amritha and I when we lived in Korea, when I was not going to church. She came to our church. I'm a pastor now. I'm like, hello. <laughs> Welcome. I said, you're going to notice a few things differently about me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've gone through church. I, I acknowledge it. I'm not trying to gaslight you. But there was a moment where I just had to say, like, okay, though my brother forsake me, I will still follow the Lord. My hope is not in a pastor. My hope is not in a system. My hope is not in a structure. I can't delegate my faith. And guess what? I need to go deeper, and I can go directly to the source. I can go directly to the King of Kings. I can go directly to the Holy Spirit. And guess what? So can you, especially when your church hurt. You need to dig into the Holy Spirit. You need to know a Jesus who can stick to you closer than a brother. And uh, I, I just want to be a little honest here because I, I feel like as a church, we have to go deeper. We have to pray. We have to know the word for ourselves. We need to be grounded in our faith. We need not to just be converts. We need to be disciples and pick up the ways of Jesus, not just to be a fan, but to be a follower. And I, I know a lot of us like Jesus as teacher, but we need to understand him as master. Where he, we're following him. And this is why I'm feeling this a, a little bit, just speaking plainly. Uh, we're in an election year right now. I don't know if you know that. It's 2024. There's an American election going on right now for the president. And uh, in 2020, we lost a lot of people at Kalos Church. And I realized what I thought was happening is I thought people were grounded in the word, uh, grounded in the community that God had called them to be. But I realized that people were grounded in politics. People were not spending time alone with the Lord, but they were getting news reports 24-7. And their, their religious devotion turned into a religious devotion to politics. And I, I'm feeling a little bit of that stress as we enter this year. I'm honestly wondering, who, who am I going to offend because I'm preaching the simple gospel this year? Who's going to leave the church because they want Jesus and Republican ideals. They want Jesus and Democratic ideals. Or there's a cultural movement, and they want Jesus and this. And they're like, the simple gospel 
is not enough. And am I saying we, we bury our heads in the sand and we ignore justice issues? No, the gospel and justice goes hand in hand, absolutely. But we're not, we're not a partisan community. I don't believe that any political party could fit in the vastness of the entirety of the kingdom of God. Can I get a better amen? But honestly, just being vulnerable, I'm like wondering who's going to leave the church in this election season? Who am I going to find out like, you know what, you're listening to news cycles more than you're spending time listening to the king of kings. You're going to the phone instead of the throne, if I could rhyme. Like, how many people are, are spending more time, like, investing in movements, but not the move of the spirit as found in the word of God? Like, what is going to happen this year? And so part of the, the impetus and the, the conviction of this series is, okay, I want to push you towards the presence of God. At the end of the day, if you're going to judge us as a church and leaders, it's this. That church is just too passionate about bringing people to Jesus. I don't care if you're lost. I don't care if you're found. Our goal is bringing you closer to Jesus, to become like Jesus, to smell like Jesus, to sound like Jesus. Is there a church here that wants that as well? That's our goal. And so you cannot delegate your personal relationship with God. Man, a political party is not going to save you. Jesus will. And so today, practically, I want to challenge you with this. Number three, make an appointment with God. Real practical. Make an appointment with God. You make appointments for important people. I want you to make an appointment with God. You know, when I first told Amritha that this was going to be the, the point in my sermon that I would end with, She's like, you mean like, you're going to tell our church, uh, go on a date with Jesus. I was like, first of all, I didn't say that, and you don't have to say it like that. Where has the spirit of mockery come? This is my first sermon of 2024. I'm already feeling a little insecure. Why do you have to mock me in the spirit of a valley girl? I don't need that right now. I'm not making this up. She's going to go on a date with Jesus. I'm trying to say this in a little bit more sophisticated way, especially because I grew up in an era of Christianity where I got rejected a lot by girls. I'd ask them on a date, and they'd say, sorry, Pradeepin, I'm dating Jesus. I'm like, well, when are you going to break up with him? Like, do you break up with Jesus? Like, when would you ever stop dating Jesus? Sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to do free therapy up here. Anyways, <laughs> so make an appointment with God. <laughs> you know, my, my barber, uh, he, he doesn't take walk-ins. I haven't gone to him this year, so don't judge me too strongly. But my barber doesn't take walk-ins, you know? But because this is an important relationship for me, I, I get on his app, and I schedule an appointment, and I show up at that appointment on time because it's important to me. But when it comes to God, we wing it with our relationship with him. We don't make an appointment. We're kind of like best friends with God, but then we move into each other, move into a house together, and you realize like, oh, man, when was the last time, best friend, we hung out, right? Have you ever had a friendship like that? You're like, we're roommates, but now we're not even friends. We're not, we, I, we take each other for granted because you're always kind of around. And we're like, God's like omnipresent. I don't have to have a meeting with him. He's just kind of always around. But do you see how that kills intimacy? Like, my family doesn't have to guess when I hang out with him because they're an important relationship I'm trying to cultivate. Every Friday for over a decade, Amritha and I have had a date night or a date morning. We can bank on it. 
Every Tuesday, we do family dinner with our kids, and we do a devotion, and we read this kid's Bible, and there's no screens, and especially in this fast. It's amazing. You know, uh, every Saturday for the last four or five years, we've done Daddy Donut Day. And so I know all the donut shops around here. If you want a list of places to go to or not go to, talk to me. And so my kids can count on me. My wife can count on me. And guess what? My God can count on me that I'm going to make an appointment and keep it. But when it comes to your relationship with God, are you just like treating him like the roommate where that relationship isn't intimate anymore? You don't know each other. You're not asking God, how are you doing? No, really. How are you? God, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? What do you want to accomplish? Guess, guess what? God has a will. God can be grieved. God has emotions and passions. God can be a jealous God. And he's jealous for your time. Make an appointment. That's my challenge for us. Make an appointment and, and keep it. Don't just wing it. I love these quotes. Corey Ten Boom writes, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. Chuck Sindal writes, make a plan now to keep a daily appointment with God. The enemy is going to tell you to set it aside, but you must carve out the time. If you're too busy to meet with the Lord, friend, then you are simply too busy. And so I want to challenge you to have a specific time and place, an appointment with God that you set and you keep. And this is following in the example of Jesus. You know, I want you to notice that Jesus was known for his prayer life. That's why the disciples didn't say, teach us how to preach, teach us, teach us how to cast out demons. What did they ask him? Teach us how to pray, because they observed Jesus preach and teach, but they were moved by his prayer. And one scripture that really stood out to me is in Luke 22, verse 39. I want you to check this out. Jesus had a specific time and place that he prayed, and it's evidenced in this scripture. In Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. 39, it says, Jesus went out, say it with me, as usual. So Jesus went out, say it again, as usual. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond him, knelt down, and prayed. I just think it's interesting that the, the writers of the scripture were able to say, Jesus went to a specific time and place as usual to pray. When it comes to your prayer life, is there any as usual about it? Or is it organic all the time? Is it just winging it? Is it just like, oh, yeah, you know, I talked to my roommate when we were washing dishes the other day. Is it all unintentional? Or is Jesus important enough to be intentional about? And so my prayer for all of us is as we're going to the source, as we're developing our prayer life with God, we would develop an as usual prayer life, communion, intimacy, with Jesus. And so if you want some ideas on how to develop that time, listen to Pastor Amritha's sermon from last week. She gave you some idea about having a daily office, daily time with the Lord. But I want to challenge you to have a daily office. So right now, if you would, would you just take your phones out right now and let's make an appointment with God. Let's just get really, really practical here. Pull out your phones. Even if you don't have a calendar on your phone, just take it out for the spirit of unity. <laughs> and so I don't care if it's a, a minute a day or once a week or once a month or something. I'm not trying to be legalistic up here, but I am trying to push you into the presence of God. All our liturgy, all our traditions, all our services, that's the goal. Getting people to commune 
in the presence of God, where he rights all wrongs, when he purifies our heart, where he conforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so take your phone and just, would you just set a time? And if you know how to make it a reoccurring uh, appointment, even if it's a minute, you can build intimacy, which is a minute as you keep on going and then five minutes and then 10 minutes. If you don't know how to use your phone to set a calendar, ask your neighbor to help you. This is a, it's a place of grace. God bless you. I'll give you 10 more seconds to do that. You can make an appointment with God. I dare say, if you can imagine, you are more than able to do it. And so, uh, you know, I remember when I was first giving my life to God, I decided to pray at 5.30 a.m. in high school. And I'm not a morning person. So I had an accountability partner, Brian. And he would call my house every morning at 5.30 to wake me up because he knew I had a specific time and place of prayer. And this was before cell phones existed. So every morning, he would call my house phone, and I would be sound asleep, but my dad would wake up. <laughs> and he would just, he wasn't a Christian. My dad didn't understand this weird phase of Christianity I was going through. So at 5.30, or, and every morning, he'd just curse out my friend. Nobody's prayed. Stop calling me. But I would hear my dad yell, and I would wake up. And I would pray. And I'm telling you what, it changed my life forever. I went from feeling a lack of identity, wanting to end my life, attempting to end my life, to in the prayer closet hearing God whisper, I love you. I know you. I'm seeking after you. And it changed everything about my life. I want to close with this scripture. Isaiah 55 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And so, you know, I don't want to fill you with an unhealthy fear of the Lord. Like, you know, department for me, I never knew you because here's the strength. You can seek the Lord right now. You can know him. Seek the Lord, Isaiah 55 says, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And so today I want to pray for you to return to God, to give your life to God, maybe for the first time or even as a recommitment. I want us to surrender our, our lives to God and start this January of 2024 saying, Lord, I want to know you, but I, I deeply want to be known by you. Is that your prayer? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for seeking us. Thank you that the creator of heaven and earth would seek us. Lord, we're so honored. Now, Lord, I pray in this room you'd help us develop an intimacy with you, a communion with you, a relationship that our faith wouldn't be performance or out of obligation or legalism, but Lord, that we would truly develop the kind of relationship that you seek from us. And Lord, for those of us in this room who need to get right with you, who want to develop a relationship with you, want to surrender our lives to you, Lord, would you forgive us and help us to follow you? 
Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.